bro. I'm over here counting this bread. I keep the faces down. It don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> it's just like sometimes you have to move to the money. Because you, you, money is it's like the money is like a woman, bro. Money will do what it has to do, but it don't want to work too hard to get it done. You feel me? So you gotta meet it halfway there. <laughs> like that's like the easiest way I can say it. You feel me? Speaking of which, this my CFO calling. That means you back, bro. Peace, what's going on? How much? That's it? I guess. <laughs> All right, sound like a plan. Well, let's get to it. Peace, peace. Good to see you, brother. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you here today, and I am elated that I finally was able to catch up with you. So that we <laughs> um, yeah, and I haven't, you expressed to me the project one time briefly when we had first got introduced, and even then, I feel like it's so much more, uh, it's just, I don't want to keep talking, I want you to break it down, because it is you're the first person to bring something like that to the table. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the rollout as it pertains to your utilities. I even want the NFT myself. So please, as you have for the people. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and you'll, you'll get a, you'll get an NFT when we get in the rest of the collection together now. So that's the interesting thing. Um, there's a story behind this. So there's a whole storyline. So there's going to be a 10,000 uh, character drop protagonist uh, collection and um, there's going to be a 10,000 antagonist uh, drop and uh, when you get into some of the artwork and I get into some of the 
explanation. People are going to be be able to identify those characters. The storyline um, is set up to kind of happen in real life, you know. So um, that's not something that we're necessarily going to release. Um, there will be an animated series in the future. Um, I'm gonna get into some comic book stuff, like actual physical comic books, and we'll do some digital ebook comic stuff as well. You know, uh, little small iterations or anniversary editions. Uh, but for the most part, um, the name of the project is Life of a Negro. You can find it at tlone.io. We're exclusive to the Solana blockchain uh, for many particular reasons. I love Solana's tech stack. Uh, it's amazing. I've been in a lot of conference calls today. I am a um, cryptocurrency developer, uh, Web3 developer. So outside of this particular project that uh, I have an affinity for, personally, uh, I'm working on several other um, cryptocurrency projects as a developer, uh, creator, and marketer, and consultant. There's two projects I'm working on as a consultant as well. So um, I hear a lot of... Um, pushback from the ether purist um, and the OpenSea purist. And shout out to Solana getting us on uh, OpenSea as well. Uh, hope to be a part of the beta pretty soon um, with this particular project. We'll see how it goes. Um, a lot of people are taken aback from the artwork, as you can see. Uh, some of the artwork, you know, in the mainstream world looks to be provocative. But as I get into the explanation of the project, you'll kind of understand where it comes from. Uh, but you can find the white paper as well at the life of a Negro. Uh, I'm sorry, tlone.io, T-L-O-A-N.io. Bottom, bro. All right, cool. So that's, so that's dope. Yeah, I see it scrolling now. So that's dope. Yeah, so head over to the website, and this is definitely what you see. Uh, so the first piece that you see here that says Obscene Americana, uh, that's the frontispiece of the actual project. Those will come out in poster form too on our merch site. Uh, you can link to our merch. Uh, did I take them? I'm gonna put the merch link back up on the site. I took it down for a minute uh, just because I was having some issues with Shopify and Printful because of the artwork. Um, and those are just the mass produced pieces that we're gonna put out. I'm, I'm doing custom merch drops as well, limited edition merch drops on a lot of the artwork that's in here. Uh, but if you take a look at that piece of Cena Americana, the character in that particular piece is called, her name is America, and um, really delves into minstrelsy and blackface and how that artwork came about. Um, that's kind of the focus of the project. I have a philosophical idea as to why a particular perception of people who call themselves Black, African-American, Afro-Latina, Africa, Caribbean here in the United States. Uh, some of us call, call ourselves indigenous. We go under those particular monikers. But I have a particular philosophy as to why the dominant uh, ruling class looks at us in a particular way. And I think I have a pretty acute understanding of um, how minstrelsy came about and what the purpose of it was. I share some of that in the site dialogue and also in the white paper. 
and the project gets into that uh, more in depth as we roll out more pieces of the project. So you'll have that understanding. Uh, so we have an idea that America is haunted by its particular sins that they participate in. And the great sin of America was forced free labor of our people. Uh, I know that we're many tribes and many cultures under one moniker, whether that's African-American or black, but in law, uh, there is no codification or specific legislation or stare decisis that creates language outside of the Negro status. So as much as we call ourselves black and African-American or any of the other monikers, those are due to our political will and what we desire inside of society, not necessarily in law. And with that, uh, as I say in the white paper, I think that it's high time that the Negro in America understand why they are the Negro, the specific facts surrounding that, and why the dominant hegemonic ruling class still views them in the eyes of minstrelsy. So the characters represented in the artwork in the NFT piece are physical representations or 2D uh, representations of the metaphysical black body. And that gets into a lot of the uh, philosophy from Wilderson uh, and some of the Afro-pessimism people. I think that that language uh, definitely captures what this caricature that we've been made into um, by many European descendants here in this country and around the world. I don't like to use the, the language white because uh, the white race, if you want to call that social construct, that is only in existence juxtaposed to uh, Negro and the Negro status. And just to get into that just a little bit, I don't want to harp on it, but if you go to the 1846 South Carolina Negro Act, specifically codified that Negro is specific to the slave African. And um, they put in parentheses, the Berbers uh, in that legislation. And um, a lot of my research I got into wonderful writers uh, from our culture, brother Robert Moore. Uh, he was one of the big Harlem Renaissance guys. He doesn't get a lot of the uh, uh, advertising and marketing like the Marcus Garveys or the Arthur Schomburgs or you know any of those people. But uh, brother Moore was an astute, um, very very astute, astute academic and writer, and published a lot of information as well as an activist. And uh, in one of his books, uh, The Name Negro, uh, he specifically talks about the first use of that name, you know, coming from the Portuguese. Now, whether that's a Castilian, you know, dialect that, that later becomes what we call Spanish, or if it was a Portuguese uh, word, uh, when the Portuguese followed the Moors into North Africa and, been, and, and began to trade with the continent and went around Cape Horn or the Horn of Africa, I'm sorry, and uh, saw the West Africans, uh, mainly the Senegalese, uh, they used that term Negro initially before they enslaved any of them just to describe the phenotype. And then that was the first place that they started to pick their slaves that later became a part of the slave trade. 
So all of this culmination of these particular facts, we deduce down into specific artwork to embody, you know, this um, metaphysical black body. And that's basically the premise of the artwork here. And so through this artwork, we capture particular scenes that happened uh, recently throughout the uh, continued uh, physical oppression as well as media oppression of the black body. Uh, so if you take a look at these images, they're very specific to images that's happened in our recent past. Um, the one with the uh, physical, metaphysical black body laying on the couch uh, and the laptop says Kale, that's a representation of Yale. <clears throat> and that's just uh, an ode to the sister who, you know, basically studied her, her butt off to get in a position like that and to be able to be at a institution of such from hard work. And while she's in that space, uh, a seemingly sp safe space uh, and a portion of the dormitory, a, a study section of the dormitory, you know, one of the other students could call into question uh, her black body, you know, having authority to even be in that space. You know, so that's kind of the thesis of the artwork that we capture, you know, in the project. That is, I'm, I'm set back a little bit because just the the mental capacity in order to be able to conceptualize all of these cause and effects that get us to this point and then like compress it into an image and let that speak so many different words. And it's, like I said, when I seen the artwork, I was... I really, I didn't know what to, but that's the beauty of art. It doesn't, it's about it. And this is, this is going to shock the world. And I am here for every step. <laughs> because this, I feel like this is going to be ripping off the bad days. And, the, and I feel like the more of us that get behind this particular project, it will, it will wake up our counterparts on his lab ass. Um, so yeah, that, that, that speaks to the provocative nature. So it's kind of break down like who I am, um, from a philosophical standpoint point. I'm definitely a philosophy nerd. I'm also a creative and, um, uh, there's some particular philosophies that I'm also into. Uh, from the French, uh, Jean Baudrillard, who was with us recently. He's an ancestor now. Um, he's a European ancestor, but um, he he was very specific into philosophies about what we see happening even inside of the technological space now. Uh, and he was very into the image and the medium and the violence of image and then the medium becoming more important than the image. And so um, these portrayals on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, and let's not forget Worldstar, uh, Q was such a great creator and created a phenomenon which we embody in another part of the project. Baudrillard is very specific to the fact that us continuously watching these deaths, right? The, these p 
people that look like us being murdered live on camera and these instances of other violences, uh, even if it was the, uh, the young child that was selling lemonade or waters to get to um, CEO Karen is what they ended up naming the lady, but out in San Francisco, but the young child that was selling waters and lemonades to get to Disney World and, you know, she calls the police and calling police is just the same as, you know, pulling the trigger to actuate the bullet because we know what the result is when we're in their presence. But watching those viral videos is, is somewhat a pornography, right? And just as much as physical pornography is pornography, us continuously watching the pornography of death, especially of people being played out to us, we become a bit desensitized to what it is. So my thought process is to let's put it into a medium and an expression of where people find happiness and so, uh, solace, right? So comedy and and cartoons and you know comic books are places where adults eight to eighty, you know, no matter your nationality or culture, can come together and get a few laughs to take us away from reality. But the fact of reality is, is that like you're saying, my job was to make this provocative enough to wake up, you know, the Europeans and the hegemonic dominant ruling class, um, to give them an idea, A, of what they're doing to us. But at the same time, what was more imminent for me was, was to wake the Negro up to understand See, I don't really think that the Negro understands the white male gaze. And I don't think that they come outside of their body, their physical body, as an observer to try to understand how the white male actually views us. And I wanted to be able to accurately depict something. So some say this may, buff may be buffoonish, you know, or some say you know, this is caricature. But if a police officer is willing to get out of his vehicle and within 37 seconds of being outside of his vehicle on many occasions, let's put it at 40 seconds to be fair because I'm not in front of my statistics right now. But on several occasions, a police officer from different municipalities in different states within 40 seconds of leaving their vehicle have gunned down people that look like me and you. You know, they can't see us as anything serious or realistic. So, which is why, you know, the depiction is as such. I I love it. And like I say it all the time, I believe we live in a sugar-coated world. And that's the reason why we have so many diabetics here and people can't take the raw diet. And yeah. regardless of how they may conceive this feelings has no place in our particular situation. I say this all the time with my people. We don't have the luxuries that other nationalities have because of all of the work that we have to backtrack and correct. So for an individual to feel like this is unjust or it is, um, like you said, caricature, or just it may be distasteful, they are not looking at reality because <laughs> when 
when the 444 album dropped, a lot of people felt way about that particular project when he had dropped the line. So the one that I see tagged in your artwork is still a nigga. And that was very provocative. And it is. And I know that you've actually had this project done well before that, that situation came out from what I was told. And that right there within itself was amazing. So yeah, the the still nigga portion though was something I went back and added after Jay did the story of OJ, and I seen that he added the minstrelsy in the video, right? And um, that's just the old to Jay Z, you know. Um, in my um, in my fantasy life, in my head, I have conversations with dude, and we agree to to disagree with a lot of his <laughs> his standpoints, but the, the guy's brilliant, right? And he had a platform and a medium that I didn't have access to at the time previous him dropping the project. But if I, I or I would have reached out to him, you know, like, yo, I already got something ready to go to kind of make this happen, you know, but I came back and added the still nigga as a ode to, because we can't forget our creators. We can't forget those who had courage enough to come before us and to do these things, right? You know, so, um, that piece is still nigga. I think it it encapsulates, and then that's pop culture as well too. You know, so that's my version of getting off Andy Warhol when Warhol would do like Campbell's Soup or Tropicana or something in his paintings and taking his take off of it. Like this is my ode to my culture and pop art, you know, and really pushing the agenda to make sure that people inside of our community understand that you have creative license to carry not only just your ancestors, but your uh, thought and courage leaders with you through your journey. And if you have the courage to, you know, uh, sit under their tutelage, even if that's from a YouTube and take information and move with it to make yourself successful, then you do owe them some type of offering, uh, you know, and we all know we're altars. We don't put the living on an altar, but I still needed a way to memorialize dude for being a courage leader and a thought leader to even address those things. And you even see with that music, there was a few lyrics that the, the Ashkenazi clan had a problem with them uh, speaking about, uh, you know, why Jews own the neighborhood, you know, but that's a whole nother discussion. And I don't want to get my project taken down on the <laughs> media format. So I'm not going to get into what that is. Not that I'm afraid, not af I'm, that I'm afraid of it, it's just that um, I haven't generated the, the currency to create my my own platform, so we don't get the platform for speaking on certain subjects. That's a bit like I just was saying. You're mindful because of your background, and you know that we, like I said, we don't have the luxuries that other nationalities have. We got to move strategically on with pretty much everything we do, because if we speak our truth, if we utilize some of those amendments that. And technically, if you are, we know per Dred Scott case, um, African Americans are not United States citizens. So they are. Hold on, let's be clear. The Negro is three fifths of a human, right? And mm -hmm. then when you go to Plessy versus Ferguson, right? So there's a particular line in Plessy versus Ferguson, the, the, in one of the opinions that says that, um, you know, that the 14th, the 14th Amendment was specific to the Negro. But it's not the job of the Constitution uh, or the courts to even the playing field necessarily on a social level. So if you're socially inferior, the Constitution 
has no way to cover that. And if you got any beef with that fact, and take it up with the Congress because they only they only had a, the power to uh, to legislate certain things into effect, you know. So it's even why I was speaking speaking very candidly before uh, about uh, there is no codification uh, or legislation specific to Black or African American. So yeah, if you go back and look at any of that language, we are politically taught. And that's Jesse Jackson's fault. It's 1988 when he mm -hmm. met at the airport in Chicago, you know what I'm saying, with 75 black groups and said that they were going to embody this term African-American. And that's what we should use politically. Now, you do know around the same time that Republicans were trying to get the census to change the classification of black to Negro, right? So the only other document we can refer to is codified in policy, you know, that even includes any such language is uh, Federal Directive 15, you know, so OMB Directive 15, which was in 1971, that document was created. And it was immediately remanded in 75, which was the year that I was born, right? And so they say it's no longer in effect. But I think they did that on purpose because they created a caste system. But at the end of the day, the fact that that says black, it has similar language to the, uh, so I'm a programmer, so I look at syntax and structure. So if you look at the Senate structure of Federal Directive 15, and you go back to the uh, the, the Slave Act, uh, the Free Slave Act of uh, South Carolina, oh, I'm sorry, the Slave Act of Cal uh, South Carolina, you know, where it says that Negro is specific to the slave African. And, and if you read subsection four out fully and you take that same sentence structure and you take the sentence structure of the description of black uh, out of Federal Directive 15, you just see they replaced a few words, but they, they kept the same cadence and syntax. You know, so they still telling you that's that's what, what, what still nigga is. So when Jay is saying still nigga, you know, if I put it, you know, as an old Jay-Z in his artwork, you know, we're just repeating what they're saying. And I think it's more important for us to, you know, eat and digest this artwork than it is the European, because they already know how they feel and they have no qualms about it. And then, you know, there's 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 three levels of things in our community, right? There's the bourgeois, which we call the boule, you know, and that's our uh, deciding political class. That's, that's our dominant class. And then there's the um, uh, I'm parsing words. I'm trying not to get myself in trouble. There's a there's, there's, <laughs> there's a there's a class of um, credentialed uh, individuals who choose to participate actively in the assimilated society, right? And then there's just the regular folks like me and you. And the regular folks is always standing up to these boozy ass niggas, pardon my language, and explaining to them like, why are we never doing anything? Why don't we do anything? You know, why doesn't anybody have the courage to do anything? And um, neither here nor there, once we pay attention to how we're viewed, and how we how how we're seen. Once we can get over the provocative, the provocative nature of even what you see in this artwork, 
and translate that into that's what that cop sees. And that's why he's so easily able to murder your son or your daughter within 40 seconds is because this is exactly the image in his head that he sees. He looks at you as you, you say with Trayvon Martin, you know, that, you know, how is it that Zimmerman could be so heartless? Like this kid lived in your neighborhood and he didn't see him as a child. He also didn't see him as a grown man. He saw him as a character, a caricature, you know, so. That's real. <coughs> and a lot of us, I know a lot of us aren't looking at it like that because so many of our, so many of our lives are intertwined with other nationalities. And it has gotten to the point where some people just be like, for what? Why am I in? like, and they, some people refuse to acknowledge what's going on around them. But like, even myself, I don't get profiled down in South Florida, bro. I don't get pulled over for having a nice car. Nobody thinks I'm selling dope down here because everybody got money down here, bro. And, but up in Michigan, from the time I was like 18 to 22, I'm just moving my car around getting pulled over just because of my complexion. I got locks and every time it was a problem. And that was, that's my reality. That was my reality from an 18 year old young man coming up. And they were, regardless of, they didn't know my status while they pulling me over. They just like, oh, it's still a nigga, get him. <laughs> that's the reality. Well, I mean, I can give you, I can give you the same or similar story because we all share the same story. So um, in my upbringing, I, I experienced the same thing. I mean, I'm six four. I'm a big. I'm I'm a big black man. So you know, it's the whole angry black man syndrome that you know I have to act like the gentle giant, not to scare white women, um, and make them clutch their purse and lock their doors. Just being honest, that's the that's one of the faces I have to put on when I leave the threshold of my home every day. And I learned that at a very uh, early age. I learned that because you know, in the town that I grew up in. Uh, I had some status because of who my grandfather was, who my grandmother was uh, on my paternal side, who my father was. And so I had a little bit of status. And, and even with that, um, I suffered the same fate. I mean, my father was a county commissioner, you know, <laughs> and none of that mattered. You know, uh, those rednecks didn't care as to treat me a particular way. And then even after you know, they would pull you over or rough you up. You know, they call my father and be like, yo, get your boy in line, you know? So, um, which leads to a different point. Those two upper classes, class breaks or class designations, the taxonomy of those, uh, of the bougie Negroes, they're so, they're fighting so hard to find worth and value in the assimilation culture. And it's all about bandwidth, right? A lot of people don't have the bandwidth to make themselves the observer. And, you know, why am I making myself matriculate through a university or college system to obtain a credential that only tells the dominant ruling class that I'm obedient and I'll follow his rules, you know, and then hang that on my wall as a prize and then hang that over the head of the people who were either A, less fortunate, uh, B, and when I say less fortunate, not just in income, but in academic or intellectual power or prowess, or 
the people who choose to not participate in that system or the ones who choose to rebel and activate and become an activist against that system, you know, those two classes hang that particular document on their wall and wear it as a badge of courage, even over their own culture and their own people. Like I'm better than you because I'm credential credentialed in this. And I'm not even speaking specifically to college and university credentials, but even professional uh, credentials as well, too. So they fight so hard to find their place in assimilation culture. And, you know, other nationalities don't do that even when they come to that country. So I have, because of my um, computer science uh, background uh, as a livelihood, I have a lot of friends uh, from Hindustan and Pakistan. We call them Indians or Pakistanians. Um, I have a lot of friends that are Korean. I have a lot of friends that are Chinese, right? So all of them come to this country and they excel economically. They excel in education. But the most, the most important part is they excel economically. So in the Chinese culture, the... Chinese female who chose to get sponsored by a family who owns a chain of Chinese restaurants in America so that she can get in the pipeline to own her own chain of Chinese restaurants in America comes and she gives her five to seven years, almost like an indigenous servant, right? To learn the format, to learn the system. And during that time, the sponsoring family builds her credit and then uses her credit as a credit partner to open up more stores, right? But once she meets that particular mark or that particular destination and enough knowledge to manage these systems on her own, then she's given an actual store of her own to run and manage. And then they're off to the races. And then so that particular woman who came to open that Chinese restaurant you know, in year 15, when she owns four or nine, the one that graduated from MIT and, and is now running, you know, a computer science field department at the Fortune 1000 that might make four or $500,000 or more a year, they're not coming to her and looking down on her because she's a blue collar person that owns restaurants and thinks that she's better than her. But, oh, like, well, you know, I have a job at AT&T or I have a job at Dell or I have a job at Apple, you know, and I'm the director of this and I have this degree. We only do that in our community. You know, we, we do that to each other and we don't even follow that program. And the Indians do the same thing and the Koreans do the same thing. You know, so I have Korean friends that own chains of beauty supply stores in the hood. I have Indian friends of mine that own Sikh and Hindu and Muslim Indians, friend, like all different uh, genres. And they own tons of hotels and own tons of gas stations and, and convenience stores in our community. And they say the same thing to me always, like, why are your people so divided? Why, do, why does one section of your people think that they're better than the other section of your people? And that's only because the dominant ruling class came and put those parameters and that propaganda into our heads. And in 2022, 
no matter how much philosophy you got with your Harvard degree, you still don't have the physical and mental bandwidth to pull yourself back at the, as the observer and say, hey, my degree means nothing to the guy who dropped out in ninth grade and started a tow truck service and can barely read and is a multimillionaire and I won't date him because he's not on my level, but you don't make them. And the, I'm speaking on scenarios of people that I actually know. Like I actually know somebody who graduated with an advanced degree from an Ivy League school who wouldn't date one of my homeboys who's a multimillionaire that owns a tow truck company that he was very successful on getting city contracts to tow their cars. And he basically has a ninth grade education. We, we're the only people that do that. So this project is to lay out a curriculum through gamification and through gaming so that people don't necessarily pay attention to what we're teaching um, and they just become involved with the process. And I think experience is the best teacher. Like hopefully they'll wake up and realize because it's augmented reality, you know, this is real life. Yeah. And that's what you mentioned, the AR aspect um, between me. This is like my my front goal isn't metaverse development, even if I know that's what's being put in the public face. Because I've been fortunate enough to have a, be able to operate on the private sector. And what you just mentioned with the augmented reality and the mixed reality aspects, these are going to be the tools that allow us to, you know, reshape our own community, our own world. And it is imperative that we become educated on these particular projects, projects, services, um, blockchain technology, data ledgers, whatever it may be, be or otherwise 90, 98% of our community going to look up and they're going to be sick the same way they was when Bitcoin passed them up as an investment, as an passed them up as an investment. But this is better than just a regular investment situation because you can come, you can develop and do the same thing we've done with my collection, with your collection is no boundaries over here and that's the beauty of like what we're coming into in the web three world you get to build without no parameters all those preconceived notions that people had on you like all of that shit is over with now yo in 2022 negroes is still on bitcoin i have in the town that you live in i'm not going to say because i want to blow up your spot but i'm going to introduce you to this studio i have a friend of mine who owns a mixed reality studio and they're 21 years deep on their project, 21 years deep on their project. They got their funding 21 years ago. And in tw 21 years ago, when they got their funding, they got funded at a half a B. They're funding year over year and they haven't dropped project one. They haven't dropped project one. It's not client facing. It's not public facing. I saw a, maybe a documentary or like a news report on it three years ago. And he didn't even tell me. And when I saw it, I pulled it and shot it to him. And he was like, yeah, one of the investors that dropped some of the bread, you know, in order for us to take the bread required us to do this because his son was a part of whatever that is. Um, so neither here nor there. They have mixed reality technology that does not require a cell phone and does not require any type of glasses or VR headset. So no AR glasses or VR headset. Literally, you could be walking in a park and they could put an augmented reality image on the ground without cameras 
or hologram or anything, and that technology is 21 years deep, and niggas is still on Bitcoin. I, I, I'm saying, bro, like we're so far behind because we live a hype culture, you know. But if you ask somebody from our culture, like when is the new Yeezy drop or when is the new Jordan Retro drop? I mean, I got a dude that's probably already got him six months before the date is, re is released, you know. But if I ask you what an NFT is or what blockchain technology you favor, and it's so crazy because on Instagram, I'll be seeing even my man's walking with the camera and he'll pull up on the people with the um with the super dope whips, McLaren's and everything. He'll be like, what's, what's your favorite? Um, what's your favorite? Um, blockchain, excuse me, Bitcoin, Solana, XRP. The fact that these wealthy people can just shoot this off like that. These are patterns for success that I always tell people you pay attention to. It's just some people have to want to do better. And that's what we have to be able to, because everybody in the Jewish community is, is not a go-getter. Everybody in the Asian community is not a go-getter. The families take care of some of these, like we, they create situations to where they still can benefit off these particular individuals. And we have to learn to do that ourselves. The same way how the United States is a trustee for individuals who take privileges, we have to be able to put ourselves in that same situation so individuals are comfortable even coming to operate with us. And that requires for us to be selective in our foundation because everybody, everybody what it is that we desire for ourselves. So I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a blow your wig, pause. Um, if you could, if you could make the screen big again, I'm gonna show you. All right, cool. So this particular document right here, right? This particular document right here is where the very first blockchain technology was mentioned and or invented. And you see, it was in 1982 when David Lee Chong wrote his thesis to get an advanced degree out of UC Berkeley. Now, let me go back up here to the top. He got his MS in 1979 and his AB in 1977. And then when you dig down, everybody needs to know if you if anybody's talking crypto and they're a crypto guru and they're a crypto expert and they have not read or they do not know who David Lee Chom is and they do not know what computer systems established, maintained and trusted by mutually suspicious groups. If they don't know what the thesis of that paper is about, then you're skeptical to me. You know nothing that you're talking about. Blockchain technology comes from technology that was advanced in the 1950s. The cryptography portion of that is based upon an algorithm that came from the 1950s. The actual idea of chaining data together and creating a digital hash or signature or private key pair the private key pair even mentioned in this thesis is RAS token, RAS technology, RAS cryptography, RSA. If people don't understand what RSA is and who R, who S is, and who A is, then, you, then you're not in this space for real. And there's so many people in this space from the other community that they don't know what this information is. But, you know, I hear so many people come out and they're gurus and they want to talk about you can you can make the screen small again. I just wanted to put it big so we can drop it. And what I will do is so you can drop on your page, I'll drop you my uh, link tree and I'll put a link to this in the link tree so people can free download it from my, from my server and they can read it and get into it for those who don't know. But I hear so many of these gurus, you know, you got rappers like Money Man, you got, you know, um, 
down in your area, what's the dude, the scammer dude that's got the YouTube thing that's going on? Batman Kevo, you know, <laughs> talking about their um talking about that they're that they're hackers and you know, this, that, and the third, and uh, and this, he's even got the hacker chain, and I'm a crypto expert, and all of this, and this new black blockchain. Blockchain is not new. I've even got a 1994 document that I'll put into. Um, I believe that's the one I read on cryptography, the 1994 one. I yeah. Hold on, let me bring it up. Let me, let me first document. I'm gonna read it today. Yeah. So I got a 1994 document um, that I probably ran across in 96 or 98. I can't remember. My daughter was born in 96. My firstborn was born in 96. So let me look at this document when it was. That's, and you know, like how I know if somebody- Yeah, 1994. All right, so you can make the screen big again. <laughs> you know, uh, pause, I'm finna blow everybody up. What does that say at the top of there? Smart contracts, right? 1994. Damn, Sam. I'm over here, like literally, twenties, um, twenty ones, eleven fifty fives, like motherfuckers, like from from my understanding, that came from Ethereum. That was forked off of Ethereum. Like you, you, you right. You just fucked my head up. Smart contracts, nineteen ninety four. They they not doing it like this, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like no one is doing it like this. You know, everybody running around here talking about they. Here's what a smart contract is. Why a smart contract? I got a 1992 document, bro. You know what I'm saying? And this is, um, you could you could make it small again, yo. So, um, I got a 1992 document that I'm not gonna post. I'll just keep that internal for the family that that will really put you on to when somebody's really talking about their blockchain expert or their cryptocurrency expert. You know, if they don't know about this 1992 document, then they they. It's, it's, it's crazy, you know, so when you go through that, and I'm not saying you particular because, like, you come from a younger generation, but I see so many of these people running around talking about their hackers yes. and their developers and their programmers and, you know, I, in, in our culture, you know, and then the, the BS information gets pushed to the top and you have so many people chasing waterfalls and I can't I can't condone that. It's just a problem for me, you know, and it took me a real long time. So like, you know, people in my personal circle who kind of understand, you know, who've been around long enough to understand my involvement in um, computer science always ask me like, when are you going to get into this crypto space? When are you gonna... And I'm talking about people as early as 2009, 2010. Now I did have some involvement into personal uh investment into cryptocurrencies around that time so let me let me tell you a little story you know before the first u.s exchange this is what i'm gonna do for your listeners on your um on your channel i'm gonna give away a free life of the negro t-shirt to the person who can answer this question who was how before the very first Bitcoin exchange. What was the name of the place that you had to purchase your cryptocurrency? So Bitcoin is in existence. There's no U.S. exchange. So during that time, I would have to go through that portal. And it, that portal had an internal token, right? 
So it had an internal gamified token that I would have to use to now go. And I'm not talking dark web <laughs> onion router. I'm talking IRC chat and QQ, right? So all these people talking about they hackers and this, that, and the third. I would have to go into this gaming portal and buy this gamified token. And I would have to sit in rooms until I could find Ukrainian, Lithuanian, Russian hackers that had Bitcoin that wanted to trade their Bitcoin for this. Because the only other way that you was getting Bitcoin at that time was if you were on their IRC network in their IRC room and they were doing early versions of whitelisting. And this is, I don't want to give a year because then I'll give people the Easter egg to tell me how did you buy Bitcoin prior to Mt. Gox? And I'm interested to hear these answers too. So, so I'll give away a free, I'll give away a free limited edition t-shirt that is going to be a part of a hundred, hundred t-shirt drop. I'll give away a free one of those to one, to one of your listeners. If they come back with the correct answer and tell, make sure that they put it in the, the first person to put it in the, in the comments under this video, you know what I'm saying? I'll hit them up and make sure that, that they get what they are supposed to get. Look at that. Y'all getting gifts. <laughs> I, was like, I appreciate it. I appreciate I'm not going to make it easy for them either. <laughs> no, nah, because like I'm over here thinking myself. And when a lot of that stuff was happening, like when that last document you was talking about, 93, 92, bro, I'm two, three years old. Exactly. So that's why I say people from your generation, I don't necessarily fought that. But when I look at like a money man or a band man, Kevo, you're a little bit older than you. You know what I'm saying? They don't like to say that their Wikipedia age is right around your demographic. But you know what I'm saying? They wrap the industry ages around it. But they're a little bit older than that. But how dare you classify yourself as a hacker or um, a cyber, a cyberpunk or a crypto punk? And so let's even get into that. Like people think that crypto punks is an NFT drop. And crypto punks have been around since the late 60s. Like CryptoPunks were the hackers that were nerds of cryptography. So when you was on IRC, internet relay chat and stuff like that, which is still in existence, you know what I'm saying? Like to hear these people think that they're a hacker because they downloaded, uh, a bot. you know, <laughs> a, yeah. Oh yeah. Like Telegram bots that they won't go and buy on Fiverr. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When, then they spend $25 from it and they might get scammed and it might not work because it's already patched. By Telegram, and you got a dude, you got a you got a dude from India or Bangladesh that's selling you a patch bot, but they, you know that 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 part, you know what I'm saying? Or the thing about it is, is you know they go download, you know the Onion Project and tour, you know, and go on the dark web to a dark website, which is still web too. You know what I'm saying? Yo, I'll just put it to you like this: Me and my team been in the game pre Web One. I, I was around for Web One to happen. I was working, I was working in tech on a Unix help desk when Web One happened. I don't even think I was old enough to like really get a good grasp on Web One. <laughs> by the time, yeah. like, by the time I was touching computers, Web Two was the AOL and stuff was already busting by then. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, um, one of my children. Um, I can't say it on here. They work for one of the major social media platforms, right? And um, we were chopping it up the other day and we were just going through 
old email addresses. And she was like, I still got my AOL email address. And the only reason she got an AOL email address, because at the time, not when she was born, but let's just say when she was around five and six, you know, because uh, her level of understanding of computer science just came from her being my firstborn and me literally getting off work at my second tech job and holding her in my hand while I did reports and stuff like that, you know, through the night because she didn't sleep through the night. She just wanted to be with her daddy. And so she was on a computer since she was born. But um, so at five, she had an AOL address because she was already into emails and she was into Yahoo chat and um, AOL chat rooms and stuff like that, talking to her relatives and, and um, which was pretty dope to see. But we were even talking about how she still has her AOL uh, email address, um, you know, last week. And it just really puts a time perspective on like, y'all grew up with MySpace. Y'all came into Web2, MySpace and, you know, all of those places. You know, social media to me was Yahoo chat and AOL chat rooms. And uh, yeah. that was the first interactive, I mean, on the web. You know what I'm saying? On the web for me, you know, but I was, I was pre-web one. Like I remember the very first web browser. I remember the very first, uh, companies thought it was dope to start a server and pass out email addresses. Right. So like how you can go get a Gmail address. There were companies in web one that would just set up the email server to issue email addresses and made millions, billions. <laughs> so if you take that into perspective and where we are with web three i know you and i are about to be some of them billionaires that we're gonna look back in 10 to 15 20 years and be like yeah we was really selling nfts <laughs> and laugh about really like the low part of the totem poles huh? yeah I we 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 scrape, we scraping, we scratching the surface of, of this whole industry right now. And which you mentioned earlier about the MR company with them being in and working for 21 plus years, people have to realize it takes time and effort in order to develop. Even with my cannabis company, I've only been a CEO going over four years and I'm still building that out. And when we talk about um, tech, like any form of that takes time and just think about where you will be asserting yourself in your family when you just put a little bit of effort into something new that could benefit the world. Yeah, so I think there's something that I'm going to get into, and uh, maybe we'll come back and do a second interview in reference to that. Because, uh, so we'll talk about how the life of a Negro even became a project. So this wasn't even, like this over here wasn't even supposed to be anything real. Uh, <laughs> so I I told you about, you know, offline, my uh, cannabis metaverse, and um, obviously you know about that. And so as I'm working on that, there's some brothers here in Atlanta that have a wonderful cannabis business that I, I'm in bed with pause um, on some tech stuff and some other logistics stuff for them as well. And they have a brilliant business. I'm building a mobile app for them. And so, you know, it's taken us a lot of time to kind of get that off the ground. Uh, I respect their grind in their first business and they're seeing a lot of bread from that. So they don't take a lot of time to develop on the tech side. And I'm always the one nudging them. And I think this day I made them upset, you know, cause I was showing them a scene that I had built out in unity 
Um, and I was like, yeah, like I'm really into this metaverse shit. Like y'all should really get on my page with this. Like I can take what you're doing to the next level. And like one of the dudes that's in the conglomerate was like, and you know, he's, he's Gen Z, you know, and he's kind of like their little leader. And he was like, man, you are old man and da, 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 whatever, you know, and he's trying to quiz me on stuff like that. And, you know, in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking like, all right, cool. You don't know the stuff that I just espoused, you know, and how old the technology is and stuff, but I'm not going to prove it to him that way. So I was like, all right, that's what's up. So I literally went home and I created this project in 48 hours. It took me 48 hours to do this from top to bottom. Now the artwork was previously existing because I got into this artwork probably about, this artwork goes all the way back to 2016 when I started producing it, right? 2016, 2015. 2015 the end of 2015 is when i started producing this artwork you know um so the artwork was pre-existing you know when i've constantly done pieces each year to add to it especially when it comes to certain events that i want to commemorate through this art because i don't want it to go anywhere so when i did find a reason to drop it so i went home and um i jumped on the solana cli and i minted a token supply a token and a token supply of like a billion i'm like boom I'm gonna make this a utility token. All right, cool. I need a meme coin so we can run the numbers up. So boom, I meant the meme coin. You know, so I, I I literally have coins with no names, just the token supply, no economics in it. And I was like, you know, what am I doing? So I was like, oh, let's do some NFTs. So I'm like, Ugh, I don't have time to do no art. Ooh, <laughs> I never did something with this project. So this was gonna be a T-shirt and poster project originally. And I was going to do limited edition custom drops of these portraits only, right? There was no character sets or anything like that. Just limited. And there's a ton of portraits. And to mention that, the verified collection on SoulSea, the five portraits that you do see is going to be the only portrait drop that comes out in the form of NFT. All the rest of them are going to be character collections. But anyway, as we're going through that, I pull the artwork out. I drop the artwork uh, into the website, start building out the website. I spent three hours on like the premise to work out what the utilities were. I added in the augmented reality because I just know how to do that. You know what I'm saying? So boom, we'll make it an app with augmented reality, you know, and we'll add that into the, to, to the workflow, which we're building out the technology right now, probably about six months away to get, to get that to drive. You just reminded me, I never even told you about my AR project that I want you to come on board. <laughs> You actually seen the artwork, but you didn't know that's supposed to be AR. All right, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, we can put that together. That's no problem. So, you know, I put the whole premise and wrote out the storyline in about three hours for that. And then so I spent uh, a day on the website uh, getting all that together. And then the second day I spent uh, after minting the tokens, getting those added to uh, the Solana blockchain with the artwork and the name and all the social media sites. And then the second half of day two, I wrote the white paper. So I did all of this in 48 hours. So it's that easy. And then I, I minted uh, the NFTs and got a verified collection, right? So 48 hours, top to bottom. But I'll be in Discord. I'll be in the Discords. Like, and that's another thing, man. You know, all these people talking about they, they uh, NFT experts and crypto experts. And they ain't got no Discord, you know what I'm saying? Or they don't be on projects, you know? or they don't even know people from other projects. They'd be like, "Yeah, I work with this project or whatever," and I'll be like, "You know, such and such." 
And I just be talking about a moderator in the room I might be talking to. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know nobody from the project for real. I just know a moderator from, from their thing, you know? So I, I, he lied to me and told me they was on Drake Project. My man's called Drake People. He was like, no, he not. <laughs> it's like, so you got to check these people too, yo. It will yeah. never drop, yo. So make sure they actually... Because it's that... We have to be cautious of people who are rug pull. Like, people see this as a quick money grab. They Some people aren't looking at the utility or, you know... For me, when it comes to the metaverse, it's me being able to assert actual business models into the digital world, and then we come into the AR, AR realm. So that's where my some people are just like, let me make. It was some two little young boys. They got they ran off with an M, and they was like 21, 22. The feds came and snatched them up because they tried to rug pull on the NFT project. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people running out with some M's, and the feds ain't snatching it up because. If they never convert it, if they keep it all DeFi and convert it overseas, then, you know, the FBI will tell you on their website, maybe not on their website, but I think the SEC lets you know on their website that, you know, if it's all crypto, they don't have no jurisdiction. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot of people running off with that. But I think that's what I'm going to do with my Akel Bay uh, brand. And um, so Akel Bay, that's what Chris used to call me. You know, like there's a whole story behind that and we'll launch that. But um, that's the crypto punk up there. And that's on all my social media. You know what I'm saying? People on social media know me know me as you, RKA. That's your punk. Yeah, and it's the NFT on Solana. Yeah, so, we're not we're not playing. Like, oh I can't hand you my phone because I'm you I'm hold on my phone. you hold one of the most valuable like NFTs with some of the highest floor price, at least top 10, because you know, board eight, they 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 exceeded. Crypto punks, crypto punks still top ten as far as floor price. Yeah, like, so um, who don't know, like, that's like a six figure piece of art in the corner. So um, yeah um, it's wild that um, the journey is what it is. But I think I'm gonna use my Akel Bay uh brand, and uh, I think I'm gonna make a Discord to that. And I think I'm gonna make that Discord for whitelist. Cause I got a bunch of whitelist allocations. Um, I got a bunch of whitelist allocations because I be in and out of rooms and I be helping mods and developer chat, you know, with a lot of the stuff they trying to work out, work out. And I don't be asking them for no bread. You know what I'm saying? Cause they kids, like I'm 46 years old, like to you, I mean, not to son you and that, like you, you a kid to me, you know what I'm saying? So that's how I look at it in the, in the realm of that. <laughs> Yeah, I got kids. I got a child your age, so they be kids. I don't be really trying to charge them no bread for that. You know what I'm saying? For the, and having them have to go back to the people in the project, like, oh, we got to pay this dude for that. So I get a lot of whitelist allocations. So what I did will do is flip my allocations on that Discord, and we're going to expose these um these these crypto charlatans too. Like I think I might do that. So I might use my Twitch, you know, to bring people on lives where I just break down, okay, this dude's a charlatan and these are the reasons why and all of that. Just to help people so they don't lose no bread, man, because I, people, I, people, yeah, people don't need to be losing no real bread. Hated me for doing that <laughs> because, like, in all, when you care about your people, you're going to speak up. Like, you know, if, like, if not saying nothing is terrible, like, who are you helping? And when we see people doing injustice within the community, some of our peers will 
have a disdain with us for us speaking up. Just they're like, you shouldn't be saying that publicly. You're but a snitch. Supposed to do. <laughs> they're like, you're a snitch. No, that's not in my jacket. And the people that tell you that I don't snitch, but I will expose charlatans. Cause I mean, I'm gonna tell you why I want to expose crypto charlatans. Cause I got a homie in mind. He's a good dude, and uh, he's from my generation. You know, so most people in my generation, like the only reason I'm on this like this, because I've just always been in tech and I'm a nerd. And that's just, you know, that's what I'm on. Like some people are into football, some people are in sports, some people are into whatever they're into. But, you know, I was in the tech and it just, you know, it's just something that's never going to go away until they put me in the ground. But, you know, homie put like 50 to 100, I think it was 100 into into a project that he was like really on the discourse researching and, you know, getting everything together and trying to figure it out. And um, he lost the brag because, you know, people was playing, you know. And uh, at the time, I kind of feel bad because I, really, I wasn't really uh, giving him no advice either because, I mean, I had other things going on in my real world, like with my businesses and stuff like that. No excuse. But after that happened, I'm like, ah, oh, that's how that went. And I'm, not, I'm no Ether fan either because, I mean, uh, you know, Ethereum is just so easy to get over on somebody if you're a scammer. I'm not trying to put any Easter eggs out here for people who are, um, you know, unscrupulous. But, you know, the fact that you can go to Binance and create a token and, you know, run over to Fiverr and, you know, grab an artist and, you know what I'm saying? And then they make it so easy on OpenSea to, like, you know, you know, mint something. And, you know, there's so many tools out there on the Ether side that are already developed that make it kind of scam worthy, you know what I'm saying? So, But that's kind of the downfall of DeFi sometimes. <laughs> they try and limit their control over the situation. Well, nah, like, you know what's dope? Like, that's why I'm, I'm back on, I'm very bullish on Solana, if you haven't learned that <laughs> in my life. But on the Soul C project, where this is right now, like, I had to really jump in their Discord and flex. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was ready to send the raid bots over there. But um, I had to really flex on them because they wouldn't verify my project. And then uh, I, I did everything they did. So I think the criteria on Solsi is that you got to, uh, you know, drop them a link to a server folder so they can jump in there and they needed to see the original files. So somehow, like, and it's, and it's completely honest that I could have skipped because I just skimmed it. And I was like, oh, they just want a link. And I already got a link in the cloud with the original files of every piece of art that I've ever done. So kind of like the photo you dropped me, there's like a thousand pieces with metadata and I got the original AI files in there and all of that. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, they hit me back uh, in an email like, yo, we can't verify this. Uh, we need to make sure you're not a scam. You know what these you know what these niggas said? They was like, we want you to film yourself making art. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, okay, so let me just just remedy this for me. And so I'm in a Discord, I'm in a private chat with one of their mods. And I'm like, remedy this for me. If I'm a photographer and I just dropped you a photo collection that I did in 81, because I'm that old, you know what I'm saying? And I was taking pictures of 81. Uh God bless the dead, my grandfather. And my grandmother, they took me to uh, California to see my grandfather's brother. And uh, he bought him a Nota and a whole bunch of film and showed me how to take pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, so I got a whole scrapbook photo album for my 81, 82 that I shot. So I'm like, how do I take pictures of me creating those photos? And he was like, you got me there. And I was like, bro, word to God, I know that 
I didn't read in your parameters that somebody had to be filmed making art. And I said, beyond that, you could go into the AI files and look at metadata and know that I was the person that really did that if I show you these other things. Yeah, so I did all of that, you know what I'm saying, for them. And he was like, all right, cool. So they pushed me through, you know what I'm saying, because I gave them enough information to let them know. And I felt some type of way that they was asking me to film. Uh, I'm not, I hope, I'm I'm good with them dudes now. I hope I'm, if they ever saw this, I hope they wouldn't feel some type of way that I'm saying what I'm saying. But they didn't make an exception for me. Like they put me through a lot of rigor. But my bigger point that is, is that on the Solana side of things, Solana kind of figured out, you know, what was going on on ETH. And a lot of they, they dApps, a lot of the dApps on Solana are like, we verifying, we verifying you for real before we just let you move on our platforms. They literally came out on Twitter and said, like, I believe it wasn't, um, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't magic. It was the other one. No, it matter of fact, it was so see, so see said they were slowing down on allowing people to mint until they were verifying them because of pretty much scams and you got to respect the platform and know that I was the person that really did that. If I show you these other things. Yeah, so I did all of that, you know what I'm saying, for them. And he was like, all right, cool. So they pushed me through, you know what I'm saying, because I gave them enough information to let them know. And I felt some type of way that they was asking me to film. Uh, I'm, not, I hope, I'm, I'm good with them dudes now. I hope I'm, if they ever saw this, I hope they wouldn't feel some type of way that I'm saying what I'm saying. But they didn't make an exception for me. Like, they put me through a lot of rigor. But my bigger point that is, is that on the Solana side of things, Solana kind of figured out, you know, what was going on on ETH. And a lot of they they dApps, a lot of the dApps on Solana are like we verifying, we verifying you for real before we just let you move on our platforms. They literally came out on Twitter and said, like, I believe it wasn't, um, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't magic. It was the other one. No, it matter of fact, it was so see, so see said they were slowing down on allowing people to mint until they were verifying them because of pretty much scams. And you got to respect the platform that does that because they're looking out for their clients or any of them. I respect the gangster of even doing that. Like, we're going to slow our bread up to make sure y'all ain't on our platform playing because you want to come to a place with integrity because all of this is digital. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's ways around... There's ways around the norm to get the average person who's not going to just take the time to do the research. And I'm not faulting those people. Like some people got whole lives out here. You know what I'm saying? And the person, I look at it like this. My floor price is, is right around $500. I don't know what ETH is right now. Let me look at the teller. Um, it'll come up in a minute. But my, my floor price is around $500. You know, so... A, that's a lot of money for somebody who's working to invest. You know what I'm saying? And that person has created a daily routine to if they're making the decision that they want to spend $500 with me, you know what I'm saying? That they took time out of their day, they're taking time out of their routine. My point is, is that they earn that money fair and square. So... I need them to purchase that in a place of an integrity, you know what I'm saying? An integral place for them to feel comfortable, you know what I'm saying? To get that done. And I understand all of that, you know what I'm saying? So with that being said, 
we need we need spots to have integrity because I want to be able to put my launch pieces, you know what I'm saying, on those places. So when I go, you know, build out my Metaplex, you know, with Candy Shop version two, you know what I'm saying? And they coming directly to my URL and they're like, wait, is this real? And I'm like, all right, cool. If you're not comfortable here, at least seeing this other entity, you know what I'm saying, of not just nostalgia, but, you know, rapport, you know, has gone through the rigor to verify me as well, too. So. The the, I know for sure a lot of these projects, maybe it's because some of them are older, but like I just watched Forbes sell out. <clears throat> Only reason why Forbes was even able to get up to the system is because of Forbes. Like they was, I'm pretty sure they was able to line because it's Forbes. So also your business status and your situation, it helps with your very depending on what you're doing. Nope. I know personally because I have to send over some of my stuff. Like you gotta have your white paper, your artwork, your websites, everything in order before you even start getting verified. Yeah, they was on my social media too, because they went to the T Long uh social media and I said I'm pre-market right now. And I said, I'm really trying to stunt on these dudes because they say I'm an old head and I don't know what I'm doing, man. So y'all really, y'all really messing up my flow right now. Y'all messing up my flex. It dude was laughing at me in the chat and everything. I said, but I'm keeping it in a buck, man. Why would you expect if I created the website yesterday? And he said, that's what's scaring us, man. Like all of this was created in a short amount of time. We trying to fleece somebody for some bread. Most people can't do it that fast, bro. Mm, so. And that's probably what's, what what was unbelievable for him. I was like, damn, when you did this, how quick? And you all of this? Like, oh no, nah, they they saw they saw how real it was. Like they came in the chat. I'm not gonna. I mean, I could, but I'm not gonna do that just because I want to hold uh, the sanctity of their process together. But I will tell you that they went and researched the IP on the domain. And told me that I have that the time that I purchased the domain. They gave me the last four, the credit card, all of that. Which that's, I mean, for th they have access to a system that would give them that information. You know, mm -hmm. saying that's not really available to the general public. But I understand. I know the system that they got that information. But they gave me the IP address. You bought it then. Da, 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 da. So those were the determining factors that they got into, like telling me no. And I'm like, ah, that's dope. But like, I'm the guy. <laughs> I'm the guy like come on man like let me in I'm the guy so you know obviously I gave them enough credentialing to get them to feel comfortable and they pushed it through and yeah I'm, I'm bullish on Solana but not only am I bullish on Solana I am also bullish on SoulSea and you can stake your NFT this is a shameless plug for SoulSea I'm not sponsored by them but you can stake your NFT on SoulSea with their internal token for their project so check them out jump on discord join their project and um if you're gonna mint the first time around and you don't you don't have like nobody like me um or my brother dj around to help you with that process i would definitely say look into solana uh blockchain because the gas fees are phenomenal they're so cheap and a place like SoulSea, even though they're going to put you through a lot of BS to get verified, you're just going to know that you're in a good space. And that's worth it. And <coughs> because I am aiming to drop on SoulSea so that our trust fund baby holders can't stake their NFTs. Because what's the point of me 
you know, pitching is still you're not making no money. It, like technically, it's like, can't leverage it. So I feel like, um, like throughout the verification process and everything, that's exactly where I want. I have been Solana heavy since I found out about them, and because of the gas fees and everything. Man, it's they Solana has been number one for if I'm not building it myself, it's Solana. And it's been my mindset for a while, even when it comes to gamification, their blockchain, their speed, um, how fast their consensus works in comparison to Ethereum. Like like I said, super reasonable gas fees. And if you know why you're paying gas fees. So I got into two consensus arguments today. Um <laughs> Because you know they, you know Solana was down on Friday for like seven hours. They had to restart the, uh, the the whole system, so they had to restart the blockchain and all of that or whatever. So I got into this argument uh, on consensus chaining, and so neither here nor there. You know, people were like, "Yeah, you know." So it's, one argument was in a company that I own, you know, a project with the gentleman. I just think he don't be feeling me sometimes, you know, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, he was like, yeah, I don't know about all this Solana stuff. We should be talking or whatever. And I'm like, why do we have to talk to anyone else? You know, but you know, some of our people are cookie cutter. They, they're like out of the box, you know what I'm saying? So I'm devolving myself from my ego, but, uh, I made a great point to him. I was like, you do all of that back and forth about Ethereum over Solana and Solana having quote outages and. Ethereum before the fork and after the fork has had the fork has had, you know, several issues that you can technically call yeah. an outage. I don't know that they already started, but neither here nor there. I said, but let's get the web two and yeah. web two apps or whatever. I said, you want you are on Cash App and Cash App is down every day. And I gave him a point. You shot me a Cash App yesterday. DJ, and it took like four hours for that to clear on my side. I never said nothing back to you because I just when I went in there and they said network outages, da, 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 whatever, you know, in web two and in uh, centralized finance, you know, everybody who calls them black, African-American, Negro, Jamaican, you know, whatever they call themselves, they have cash app on their phone. I don't care how much money you make. You could be a good billionaire. You got somebody in your family that's broke or from somebody in your family that's struggling and needs some bread and you cash app them. You know what I'm saying? So Cash App is just a thing in our community. I don't care. My mother is in her 70s. My mom got Cash App. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was saying something to her there. She's like, you need to come see me, did I, whatever. And she was like, well, you can buy me lunch. I was like, I'm not going to have time with Cash App. Me I'm like, you got a Cash App? Like, what's going on? It's wild. But neither here nor there. I said, dude, you're waiting on these same outages, sending your baby mama some money. And I was like, yo, bro had shot me some bread earlier today and it still ain't cleared. I'm not calling and blowing him up about it. And I'm not calling Cash App. And then he had to admit to me that he had literally texted his baby mama in the same time some bread on Cash App and she wasn't seeing it either. And she, I said, so how are you going to blow on Solana for? I, that's emerging technology. Cash App is Web 2, all of that infrastructure. Do you know how many Cisco servers are probably at, at the Square building? You know what I'm saying? Do you know how many data rooms that Square has to be able to process that? Do you know how much bandwidth that they're buying, you know, from places like Level 3 and stuff like that? Cash App should not be the one having bottlenecks, but there's so much usage of the platform because so many people are unbanked. 
And that's what DeFi is going to do. So if the outages on Cash App don't tell you a story on Solana, then you're not in the right space. And that's what we're going to do with this platform. Yeah, but I had two arguments about consensus yesterday. Let's talk about Cash App consensus, man. <laughs> Did you really do it or not? <laughs> it's wild, man. Like more people got cash apps than crypto wallets. And like people literally Cash App is a crypto wallet. <laughs> I say at least the crypto wallet you're controlling it depending on what Yeah. Like we oh shit, cash app and close my down. I had to argue with them before about getting my bread out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Cash Up got a, got a crypto wallet in the Cash App and niggas don't own crypto. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like, Cash App. So, so that be the other thing with crypto gurus. When they get to start talking, that, I'll be like, open up your Cash Up. Huh? I ain't trying to be in your business. I don't need to see your balance. Open up your Cash Up and click on uh, Bitcoin. You ain't got no Bitcoin over there? Oh, nah. Where you keep your Bitcoin at? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> No, bro. <laughs> no. Hard wallet for that. I even my hard wallet even hold my NFTs as well, and that's something that you see knowledgeable about these aspects of being able to protect yourself. We've seen some people get a collection down there taken from them on certain platforms. People just that all. Just some people not blown to the IFSPF server, and there's also other individuals who are just throwing stuff up on on these platforms without having everything up there. So, and Fisher links and stuff, you gotta make sure you protect yourself. Well, my particular hard wallet, you can't access it without having my phone and also having my passcode. And even if you did have it, you, you gotta have the Bluetooth connected and everything in order just to transfer data. And then I have another password inside of it. So that layered level of security, is how I make sure I can keep my value. Because I don't want to look up to somebody that emptied out my damn NFT wallet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another. Um... Yeah, I got hard wallets. I got I paper just, wallets too. I to say about that. <laughs> I got paper wallets too. Oh. Um, you told me about the ones that you make, and I know, like, I've been able to code out a Solana wallet, but um, yeah, I ain't never. I don't know about the paper wallets, bro. We don't have to link on that one. <laughs> yeah, so um, they call them paper wallets because you're really supposed to write the seed phrase on a sheet of paper. <laughs> um, I don't always be getting into that, but I'm just saying that's the Negro in me too because I don't ever know when life going to fall apart. I'm pretty sure that the people you would think you wouldn't want to have that information probably already know that about me. Yeah, but I'm just saying... I could touch down on any side of the globe and just know I'm straight. You know what I'm saying? I can have the clothes that I have, no iPhone, no nothing. You know what I'm saying? But we're gonna get it cracking within six hours. You know, and that's the that's the joy of a paper wallet. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh all right, cool. And just yo, can I borrow your can I borrow your MacBook Pro for 10 minutes? Yeah, can I borrow your MacBook Pro for 10 minutes? <laughs> App get installed, Solana. <laughs> okay. It's a wrap. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. I never thought, well, as far as the reason, I, was, I, I personally wasn't comfortable with that, but you're like, you're more knowledgeable in the developer realm than I am for sure. So you've been developing as long as I've been living down there. <laughs> yeah, I have been developing longer than you've been living. I mean, I've been coding. Like, so 
that's the story in itself. My mom was a gamer. So think about this. I was born in 1975 and my mom was a gamer. That's wild, right? So I got into computers because I was a gamer, but I got into gaming because my mom was really a gamer. All right. So uh, in 80 or 81, I think it was 80. Yeah, it was 80 or 81. Um, and I can't remember if it was my birthday or Christmas, but I actually think it was more my birthday. I was kind of going through that story in my head earlier today because um, I'm about to do a press run. So I want to make sure that I'm telling accurate things. Uh, but 80 or 81 on my birthday or Christmas, I want to say it's my birthday because of another part of the story. My mom bought me an Atari and Pac-Man. And I remember that we stayed up to like two, three in the morning playing Pac-Man, you know, because she wanted the Atari more than I did. You know what I'm saying? So my mom was a console gamer, you know what I'm saying? Which is, that's, that's fly. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to Mom Dukes. Mom Dukes made me a hacker, you know? So from that, those Atari sessions and staying up on school nights. So it had to be a birthday because you're on Christmas break during Christmas and you don't go back to school anytime soon. Cause I know my pops was tripping. He worked the third shift job. He was tripping because I had recently went to bed and my mom was explaining to him, you know, that I had been up all night on a game. So cut me some slack. I was like, on the game. She's like, yeah, we was playing the game till like two, three <laughs> in the morning. You know what I'm saying? So, which is dope. Like I had a dope life. And then my mom is the whole, whole reason I started coding. So my dad, my, both of my parents were entrepreneurs, which was dope to see growing up. And um, my dad had a business and uh, he had a PC at the time. And uh, I mean, so all of that was command line back in the day. There was no GUI. This is pre-Windows 3.1, you know what I'm saying? And pre the Macintosh uh, device. So um, yeah, everything was command line, DOS based. And uh, there was a game that I used to play on his computer that somebody showed me how to log in. Just like, you know, kids now, you can hand a one or two year old an iPhone and then in an hour or two, they got it figured out. It was the same thing back then. It's, that phenomenon is not anything new. We're sentient beings. We're here to learn and all of that. So I learned how to log in and to play this game called Pong and this other game called Worm. I used to love those games, but my father thought I was going to break his computer. So uh, my aunt used to moonlight at his job as a part-time situation because she knew spreadsheets and word processing. So she did all of his invoicing and accounting and stuff like that. So they were on Lotus Notes. There was no Excel back in the day. And all of that was command line, right? So um, she might've been the one to show me how to play the game. I'm not sure. But anyway, he lost a file, an invoice file on his computer that was in Lotus Notes. And I showed him how to undelete it. And he was like, what? And he went home and told my mom that. And she was like, see, I told you to buy a computer. So that Christmas, I got a computer. So I think I'm conflating the Christmas birthday thing with the two things. I got the Atari on my birthday. And then when I was eight or nine, I got the computer. And then like a few, few years later, you know, black people keep the box to anything expensive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I'm 11 or 12, and I like go in the box because I'm looking to see if there was a so floppy disk, not the 3.5 hard disk, but actual floppy disk. So I'm looking for this old floppy disk that had this app called MS Paint, and I was trying to reinstall it on my computer, and I was like, maybe it's in the box. So I go in the little storage room and look in the box, and I see the invoice for the computer. So in 
85 maybe. The PC that I got got was uh, five bands. It was five bands. Damn. That's how much a PC was then. That's a love. Boy, you was what, under 10? And you got a five? Oh, definitely under, definitely under 10 years old when I got a PC. That's what's up. That's love. And that's that's <laughs> what parents need to do. Um, we need to make sure that we cultivate those situations where we know our children can excel and also allow them to choose for themselves as well. And I had to share it with my sister. So I remember my sister was really young. Like I knew my sister was e- either preschool or kindergarten because I'm four years older than her. Yeah, so I was definitely under 10 and my sister was young and we had to share it. And all my sister wanted to do was play games, which annoyed me because um, the the big thing that I got into, I became the resident banner maker. So this is way before your time. So uh, the graphics program that was inside of that we bought, you know, you had these printers. So computer paper came perforated, attached to each other. And it went through the, they called them dot matrix printers. And yeah. the printers went through these little wheels and all of that. And the paper was all connected. And on that paper, I used to print out like happy birthday or congratulations. So I used to make banners for like the church or people's birthday parties with balloons or frogs or whatever they want on them or whatever. So that was one of my little hustles. Then too, but I had a ton of hustles, but that's where it all started. So, you know, um, the gentleman's agreement I made with my pops because he bought the computer from one of his fraternal brothers. I think one of his brothers that was in the Kiwanis Club that I had to go over there and take lessons on how to use computer. And um, dude was really a hobbyist hacker type dude. He wasn't on no type of level, but he was a hobbyist hacker because he had ham radios and all of that type of stuff. But I mean, he showed me, you know, basic coding and all of that type of stuff. And um, years later, one of my father's friend, my father was a commissioner, like I said. So he had friends at the sheriff's department and one of the sheriff's deputies moved down from New Jersey. And he told me about um, CompuServe and CompuServe was the internet. So I was on the internet in the 90s, bro, like 90, 91. You know what I'm saying? So this pre-AOL. So that's what I keep saying, bro. I'm I'm pre-Web 1. Like bulletin boards, not websites. <laughs> and that holds so value because you can you can see the difference between the you know the overlay for the underlay. You can't see the opie dopes coming because you're fully educated since this technology has been given out. So I, what was it? Um, well, I know we've been on for almost an hour and a half. This is my. Oh, that's on you, not me. I'm good, bro. Oh, okay, okay, we all good. Um, I wanted to know, um, what was it like when you, for you, when you started to see them like express the NFT aspect, you know, the increase when we started seeing, cause you know, Ethereum is years old, Litcoin, all of that stuff. But when we started seeing them change their trajectory and like really start to take off, how was that for you with the understanding that you have as pertains to cryptography and things like that? All right. So. My wife will tell you this. I'm big into analogies. These annoy her, but I'm going to give you the best way to explain that. I was Michael Jordan. And those people, they weren't even LeBron. They were Kyrie and Curry. You see what I'm saying? Like y'all some children to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I got these rings over here. Like, I should really be the coach, but I got too much bread for that. Like, so I'm Jordan, you know what I'm saying? 
And so I'm seeing, so what really, what really got me under my skin was uh, ERC 20 tokens. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because when those, when those rolled out and then I went and looked at the command line and then not even in development capacity, but uh, in an IT capacity. So like I used to work at National Cash Register, NCR. I was in POS industry for a while and got a lot of chops in that. And uh, I was on a Unix help desk, right? So uh, public private key, which is just the authentication process that's even happening with your wallet. So that C phrase you get, you know what I'm saying? And all of that. And um, we used to have to create tokens because I think it was Sun Microsystems. Uh, their big security piece was token ring technology, right? So we would have to create tokens for verification pur purposes, right? Uh, to get on certain systems and stuff like that. And in my breath, in my in my mind, I'm like, <clears throat> I get the native chain token. Right. And you're creating value on top of that. So I got Bitcoin because I go back to hash cash and ego. So this is pre Litecoin. You know what I'm saying? This is pre Bitcoin. So hash cash, ego, and all. So I get, I get all of that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I get the native chain having a native token. But now you've got these sub tokens that get created by users on a network. Because that's all Solana is, is a network. That's all Ethereum is, is a network, right? And so, like, anybody creates these tokens and then they're fungible. So that's what really got to me. And then, like, you know, <clears throat> these pump and dump scams that were happening because I could see that easily happening, but people running up real bread. I'm not talking about four or five million. I'm talking about 50, 60, 70 million dollars they running up off of ERC-20 token. You know what I'm saying? And they throw a website up, write a white paper. And then remember like early Ethereum token drops and ICOs, it would just be the, the landing page with the name of the brand, with the countdown to the token drop with the, you click the link to get the white paper. And then like when the thing hit zero, everybody just hit the site like piranhas and just spent their bread to get that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, People in the other portion of that that really got to me was <clears throat> people even asking me, like, how do I get Ethereum? I'm trying to get $30,000 worth of Ethereum. Why? Because I'm trying to buy this such and such token. And I'm like, you're about to spend 30 bands on this token? Like, gas fee, shit. Yeah. So I'm like, where is the, where's this project from? Oh, it's, I don't know. All right, cool. Let's look at the IP address of the server. You know what I'm saying? Like, boom, this is hosted out of the Netherlands, dog. This could be anybody. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, let, Netherlands is wide open because of the privacy. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, this could be some Ukrainian. And no, no, no fault on Ukrainians. You know what I'm saying? But they're the European Nigerians. The Ukraines, Ukraine, Ukraine is like the Nigeria of of your, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, this could be some Ukrainian, like this, like, yo, don't put your, no, man, I need these 30,000 30, ETH, man, so I can buy this token, you know, cause it dropped tomorrow and I got whitelisted. And so that's what really got to me. And like, 
it just created the disdain for me. So then NFTs come, right? So I'm gonna post, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna keep my word. I'm gonna put the the David Lee Chong document on my link tree. And I'm also gonna put uh, the Nick, uh, the Nick uh, Shaven uh, document on my link tree so people can read that about the smart contracts. Um, but when NFT came, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, people are selling digital signatures connected to smart contracts for millions of dollars. So that bothered me even more. You know what I'm saying? And it was just, a, I'm, I'm embracing my old man. I'm just in a space <laughs> in life that I'm embracing my old man. Like I'm just, I'm cynical. You know what I'm saying? And it is what it is. So I'm just embracing that. So it was, it, it was, it was me being an old man, you know what I'm saying? And not getting with the times. And then when I just see Prad just dumping hand over fist, hand over fist. And then when I started to see like real legitimate dApps being developed, you know what I'm saying? To support certain networks and then real, you know, projects developing with real utility or whatever. And I was like, oh, so there are some. So I come from like the open source world. So when I learned how to hack, it wasn't until my teenage years, you know what I'm saying? Uh, my middle teenage years is when I learned how to hack. In high school, um, one of my debate partners like really put me on and we were like changing grades and changing itineraries at school, changing certain statuses and stuff like that and doing other cool stuff like, you know, uh, streaming movies. And um, when I got into hacking, that was in the middle of the open source movement. And that's what this whole NFT cryptocurrency token metaverse space feels like to me. It's like real open source. And so like our version of IRC chat is Discord, you know what I'm saying? So then when I got in Discord and creating servers and, you know, all of that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, all right, cool. I can dig that. So when I really started jumping into Discord and creating my own servers and getting into certain projects and, you know, Discord functions a lot like IRC and I'm like, oh, this is where you go see all of the real projects. Because like back when I was a kid, like I was a part of the Red Hat room and that's real nerd, but Red Hat is a is a flavor of Linux, you know what I'm saying? And create out of North Carolina, you know? So like I'm actually jumping in the Red Hat IRC chat room to see Linus who created Linux as a kernel and it was named after him based upon being an easier version, more portable version of Unix. You know what I'm saying? Like I was actually able to jump in and see that. And then, you know, Red Hat Linux become a multi-million, almost billion dollar company, you know? So now I'm jumping into Discord and I'm saying, oh, this is where the real projects are. So don't pay attention to all the Web2 stuff and, you know, uh, board a yacht club, which I'm not taking away from that. I don't really know what that is. Like it's some it it's respectfully, it's not shit, but some damn colorful monkeys that let people get out. Exactly. And I feel some 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 way about them making monkeys and that's a whole nother thing. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um so yeah, but when I when I jumped on Discord and I and I jump in, you know, a whole bunch of like I'm in the and, and a whole bunch of uh cross-chain technology discords. I'm not trying to give away all my business. 
you know what I'm saying? But I'm in a bunch of cross-chain technology discords and seeing companies like Chainlinks, Oracle having a discord. I'm like, oh, Oracle got a discord? You know, I respect them just for DB anyway. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, Larry Ellison is just, he's a GOAT, you know, to me. That's my Michael Jordan, you know what I'm saying? Or one of them, you know what I'm saying? No, he's my Charles Barkley, you know what I'm saying? But either way, um, when I'm seeing like, you know, Oracle having a discord and, you know, or, or something out of Oracle having official Discord and that company's officially from Oracle and stuff like that. Then that's when I just started to kind of loosen up and I was like, all right, cool, let me get my bag. And so then I just start getting in and getting my bag off of that because it, it was easy for someone like me because I see the technology for what it is. So I knew what to invest in and what not to invest in. And I ran up a bag like very quickly. So like the time that I lost by not jumping on and being an early adopter, I was able to make up for it because I understood the technology so well. So I knew which technologies were going to work and what wasn't going to work, what was feasible, what wasn't when somebody was bullshitting and when somebody's not, you know, because when I jump into projects, you know, I'm asking infrastructure questions, you know what I'm saying? I'm asking feasibility over feasibility over infrastructure questions and stuff like that. And if you can't answer the fundamentals, then that means that you didn't do your research. You just had a dope idea and you wanted to throw it up and you don't really understand what's going on. And I'm not saying you're not going to get funded from your investment because I mean, your dad might know somebody and you're at Georgia tech right now, or you at Caltech or, you know, MIT, you know, and people are buying into that fact, but not really buying into the fact that if you understand the fundamentals of the technology and going to be able to really get your project off, you know? So I was able to make up a lot, gain a lot of ground and make a lot of money and ride the wave and, and get that in. So that's really when I embraced it. And then life of the Negro was my first joint and it's not my intended first drop. Like my intended first drop was the cannabis play that you and I are working on. You know what I'm saying? But I had these kids making fun of me and I'm like, I really got to go get the Ferrari and pull it on the block dog, for you to take me serious. <laughs> they they shooting people for less in Atlanta. I got to go pull out a Ferrari, you know? So that was my version of pulling out the Ferrari on them. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me go ahead and put this together and make it happen. So we're still pre-launch. I'm getting the marketing together right now. And um, I just appreciate even meeting you because you're inspiration to me. Yo, when I saw the trust fund babies, like my homie, he was like, yo, what you think about this? I was like, what? Man, call that nigga now, dog. Get him on the phone. <laughs> like, that's high because I get the utility. You know what I'm saying? And I see that you get the utility. So as I'm, he's trying to get in contact with you, I'm scrolling your Facebook and you like, yo, you had a comment on there like you knee deep in codes. You ain't getting no sleep. I was like, he coding too? I, that, I call homie back. I was like, yo. Do not go to sleep, son, until you get homie on the phone, bro. You don't get to sleep until you get homie on the phone. And then this is how we met. You know what I'm saying? So. And shout out to bro. He been rocking with me for years. And he is a solid dude. And like even like people that seen brother, um, like y'all know who bro is, brother Christopher Glass, but he's actually, you know, like one of the for us. And he's been on my platform a couple times as it pertains to uh, some of the more situations in are. And like I've watched bro grow and people really don't know how much of an intellectual he is and be able to see certain things and be like, yo, this needs to go here, this needs to go here. Like that's important. And yeah, so he's Mr. Connect the Dots. 
Yes. I would definitely say that. He's definitely yeah. Mr. Connect the Dot. And just like how he slid it on me. He's like, homie, I know you focus on him. And, and, and like, you know, I really raised bro, you know what I'm saying, in some things. You know what I'm saying? So we got that kind of relationship. So he looked at me as big bro. You know what I'm saying? But um, and he know, like, kind of like how my demeanor is. Like, I, I got a very, very tight circle. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a recluse. I'm not even an introvert. I'm a recluse. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> I'm only coming out the house and talking on the phone. If it ain't about a bag, then I'm not doing it. You know what I'm saying? But when I seen yours, I was like, I don't even care about a bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, tell homie we in on this. Like, we're going to press this how it's going to go. So, yeah, he connected the dots on that situation. Yeah, and just for anybody listening, um, my goal was to have my project released already. But, you know, like, per verification, making sure that everything is in order on top of metaverse development, things are going the way that they need to be going. So with me being able to partner with Bro, he's been able to help me, you know, push some of these things forward. So we won't be waiting till um, the end of the year before we're allowed to be on open sea and things like this, just because it is a line. And a lot of people don't know that. It for sure is a line. If you want any of their landing pads, they'll tell you, like, we'll get back to you if we feel like your project is valuable <laughs> type stuff. So, so I, that's that's my contribution. You know, what I'm saying to the project, I, I want to be able to, because I got the I got the line, like I'm in the Solana Discord, on a couple of rooms, pretty heavy. You know what I'm saying? And uh, even before my project, I would rather see the trust fund babies end up on the OpenSea beta for Solana joint. So I'm gonna really really press that line with them to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? So just to make it better for you guys, the users, you know, and the people end up participating in this, I'm going to do my part for fam to make sure that, you know, that gets pushed in a way that it happens. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, let me tell you what really gravitated me to your project, man. Cause you told me what gravitated you to the life of a Negro. All right. So, um, a lot of people have invested in me over the years, time, money, and energy, but even recently, um, building out these crypto spaces, you know what I'm saying? And, and stuff like that. So I got people that really just kind of, you know, invested into like my belief in, um, networking and stuff like that. And then everything didn't really go as planned. So I actually created digital trust for these people. Uh, so the increments of projects that I'm building and working on benefits them directly in the form of a token. You know what I'm saying? So I actually have like one of them is the Meadows Trust and that person knows who they are. So the Meadows Trust holds a certain amount of crypto that will always earn a lot of money until that person's ready to cash in on that because they were one of the believers, even at this stage in the game. You know what I'm saying? So I have a lot of people from from my generation that want to get involved and they're like, yo, bro, we behind you and we're going to make our moves on us. There's also the Smith Trust, too. So um i was actually creating some tokens uh for a couple projects uh years back uh one of those being an insurance company and we were going to drop a social token to create a uh, gamification reward system inside of that and while we were doing that um some people that share the same skin color as me wanted to break the whole project up and say that i don't know anything about cryptocurrency and i don't know how to code and all of this and we just do that you know what I'm saying? And there was still another brother inside of that. And I don't want to give away too many details because these are high level people that are even 
public facing, um, they have a little bit of celebrity to them. And one of those brothers just continued to believe in me. And so there's a, there's a crypto trust behind him. This is just my personal trust of crypto wealth that I'm believe that I'm for that brother believing in me. I'm still donating inside of that. And, and those particular trusts are above and beyond the dollar amount that they even brought to businesses or projects that I believed in. You know what I'm saying? So when I saw the trust fund baby and started getting into understanding what it was, I was like, yo, this is dope, bro. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, that, that, that people even think like this. For some reason, I lost audio, bro. That's my bad. I was muted. You can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, I had my um, I had my office window open, and it was a fire truck riding by, so I had muted out. No, but I was just um, I was expressing my gratitude and just the fact that you're able to see what it is I want to be able to provide to my community because I see where we're lacking as it pertains to financial literacy. And through my own experiences, I've been able to succeed in certain capacities just because I operate through trust and wheels and I have my estate planning in order. And like, even when it comes to actually owning things, equity, family offices, like when we talk about scaling large corporations like BlackRock, Citadel and things like this, this is how you get to that point. What well, ASAP Rocky say, shout out to the niggas with an estate plan. <laughs> shout out to all the niggas within the state plan that's that's a flex man especially for people of y'all generation because y'all got access to so much information so i see how rocky even coming with that bar you know what i'm saying like it's one thing to have a chain or a dope car or even a big crib but shout out to all the niggas who have an estate plan <laughs> <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> because a lot of these things that some of these rappers and individuals have acquired even control it and go to probate and some people written juries and cars they don't control that those things i'm about you know controlling in comparison to owning but you know really being able to leverage and scale and just being able to follow the money being fortunate enough to be financially savvy come up in private school i I understand what's not being given to the public because I went to private school and I went to public school. So you see the difference in education, even in the manner in which the teachers deal with you. And there, my first economics class, I got taught in second grade. My first hardcore economics class was in sixth grade where I'm learning about supply and demand and things like this. I started my first company shortly after that. And just it all was attributed to my education and what I felt was important. And I understood that I wanted to go get something and not necessarily have to wait on my parents to handle it. So I established for myself and this is this is the mindset that I want people to receive when it comes to this particular project. What can you establish for your estate, your family? You know, like make trust fund babies. If you got a, if, if you got a trust fund baby, what are you? <laughs> 
And nine, nine times out of ten, you're the creator of the trust. You hold the trust as well. That's beneficial for you, your children, and your future generations. And like between the life of Americana aspect, excuse me, of seeing of seeing Americana and the life of Negro, that in conjunction with what we're offering, I I know we are going to have a very exclusive group of holders, and they're going to be exactly what we're looking for. So um. Yeah, man, we we mashing the gas on trust fund babies just because I I was always a nerd my entire life. Um, I didn't I didn't get to date the chicks that I wanted to in high school because they weren't paying me no attention. Like I was that nerd, you know what I'm saying? That um wore the wrong pants with the wrong shirt, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but then yeah, 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 come on, bro, like. Look to an extent, like I, some things don't concern us when you care about your grades. I mean, look at Mark Zuckerberg trying to mimic Steve Jobs by only buying the same shirt and same pants, <laughs> seven of each, to wear the same uniform every day. You know what I'm saying? Like that just ain't what we on. I mean, but life changed immediately after then. Uh, for the good or the bad, I don't know necessarily how to classify it. I had a great time, but uh, the point of it is, is that I like being able to subtly give people curriculums. I had a conversation with Bro on his live today because me and him did a live. He posted on his page shortly, um, and I kept trying to explain to him. You know, he asked me a question in there, and he. he I knew what he was getting at because he knows me. And he was like, you know, I, I see where you're going with the scene Americana, which he was a part of from the inception, but really the not life of the Negro, the new project. And he was like, is that a way for you to introduce something to the public and being hands off? And um, I usually get into a lot of arguments with um, people because a lot of, a lot of people, aren't abreast of the information that I've been exposed to or have access to, you know, and I, I, li I lived a very similar life growing up that you did. So I, I get the understanding of public and private. And uh, so I get into a lot of arguments because people can't accept facts over feelings, you know, or ways of knowing, you know, so epistemology, so knowledge cipher, as opposed to actual fact, you know what I'm saying? So. You know, your philosophy about something doesn't change the fact that something. So we get into um, a lot of arguments and then, you know, people will say that I'm arrogant and all of that. And what's dope about this is, is that I don't even have to be involved in a conversation for you to get it. I just go make a game and then drop the game into the metaverse and then boom, you come to the metaverse and then it's pro I probably got 20 games in there and you click on one like, oh, this is dope. Let me see what this is about. All right, cool. And then boom, and then you're there and then we never had to have a conversation about it. So then you didn't have to feel, feel offended about some concepts that I'm introducing you to. And I think that a lot of people are like, why me? You know what I'm saying? And it ain't no why me. I was just the dude that was always reading when you was playing basketball and then with the chicks at the school and I was still just reading, you know what I'm saying? So there's a definite trade-off for that. You know what I'm saying? There's a cause and an effect. So this is the once- time. It's, I, it's a beautiful time to be a nerd. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I've been saying it for years. Teachers should be getting paid more than NBA players and NFL players. I'm like, those are the oh, we 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 got that coming. <laughs> it's part of the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Like we we got a scenario. We got a scenario. I'm not trying to put too much out there. So everybody's on everybody's on metaverse, and we're on omniverse technology, and uh. I just know the capital is not there for me to 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 do omniverse technology, but I'm creating metaverse. I'm creating multiple metaverses with omniverse thinking, so now we can go partner with the the apples and the metas and the Amazon that actually drop omniverses, right? Or Epic, Microsoft. Even you know, having the worlds pre-built in order just to drop onto another blockchain. You're, come on, bro. So my, you don't got 3D renders, fam. <laughs> my grandmother, um, my grandmother was a first grade teacher for 43 years, retired and came back and substitute taught until she died. So, you know, 55, six plus years in the game, you know, God bless her. So my grandfather was the first black librarian in the state of Georgia and was honored by the state of Georgia by Brian Kemp two years ago for such in his thesis in library school for his master's library sciences uh, school for his master's was specifically about using the library for adult education purposes. So adult literacy and adult continued education. And so I'm taking that theory into a curriculum, you know, dropping it in the metaverse where uh, okay. these teachers that sit with our kids all day, uh, it can be accredited online. And, um, you know, they make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year by sitting in a dope ass crib that is dealing with our kids. You know what I'm saying? they here right now. All of the technology is open source. I don't know why nobody's ever done it too. So when you go see a LeBron drop 40M, not 40 bands, 40M on a charter school, which is still controlled by the government. Uh, or you got um, an Umar Johnson, uh, not to down him in the public, but <laughs> just, you know, I don't think his methodology was right. I think his heart is in the right place. I just don't think his methodology is right. I mean, there's open source technology the way you can prop up the same situation as um, a University of Phoenix. Let's just say that. Right. Uh, yeah, an online school. You can say you can put it on. I can I can put a school online for less than a thousand dollars. Let's just say. I know. I have an online school. That's all. <laughs> it's amazing, but that's once again that's neither here nor there, bro. And that that attributes to what we're talking about, even between the LeBron James situation and the Dr. Umar situation, when we talk about senior Americana and the life of a Negro. Regardless of how much bread you drop in, you're still a nigga and you're going to run and operate throughout this system that we set forth, unless you have to present yourself to do otherwise. And a lot of. Hold on. In your Jay Z verse, uh, voice though, still nigga. <laughs> okay. I, she told him what, 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 what the chick told him on fire shut up and dribble. <laughs> Bro. Yeah, <laughs> and even baby girl coming out at home trying to say he's a drug dealer. That man makes way more money than baby. so. So that's <laughs> yo, and people will try and allow you can. That, and that's what I said on my Instagram the other day. 
you have the ability to recreate and redesign yourself as many times as you desire. You do not allow somebody to hold you back or box you in. I'm like, hold, he's one of my favorite. I'm a sad, she's a sad. He's one of my favorite Sagittarius in order to look at just because of his growth, the manner in which he articulates himself and the manner in which he conducts commerce. And watching that man assert himself into a commercial situation. We talking about drug dealing, Jay-Z. And I remember seeing the interviews with Warren Buffett. Yeah, um, so I think I think in, in in current society, the black man having an F on his jacket is a rite of passage, almost. You know what I'm saying? So when you look at Jay Z, like so, like we put that on our back, we put that on the back of a jacket and sell it to you at Macy's. You know, <laughs> I I know people, and this isn't a up, but I know people who have dropped out of school and some who actually have records who are seven-figure individuals. I don't have a college degree. I have a high school diploma, and I, I have a felony. And <laughs> more than 98% of the people I know. And, mm. like... And we're not running from that. Let's be clear. So all of the the uh, the credentialing police... I do have credentials, though. I have Unix certifications. I have Cisco certifications and, and, and all of that. I got credentials. You know what I'm saying? That ain't an issue. But I'm just saying, I have a high school diploma, you know, and uh, I'll go toe-to-toe with some of the best of them. And it ain't stop nothing. I mean, like, I'm, I'm on, I told you yesterday, I'm fasting to lose weight, man. I ain't missing no meals over here. <laughs> I feel you. I respect that. And one of my, my other business partners, he actually went through the same thing. Like, when I told him, I was like, I... Like, I support you in what you're doing because it's health reasons. So you need a support system. I go to the gym with them. I check on them, make sure you're eating right and everything. So, and, like, we have to make sure that we are on multiple capacities because, like, how they said earlier, why are people so divided? They divide it because we have class systems within our own community because what is the benefit of me dealing with somebody who hasn't, for me personally, what's the benefit of me dealing with somebody who hasn't established themselves in a business capacity? I'm technically you gonna be utilizing or taking from you. So until we start to change certain things within our own household, there we will still have that level of division. Because what is the benefit of me coming to deal with you personally? Everybody else is doing some form of commercial activity between the Jews and the Susus that they're doing, <laughs> the Asians with the nail with the nail stores, the beauty supplies. Hold on, I'm in the. Chris gonna tell you about this. Language is specific with me, bro. So the Ashkenazis with the susu they stole from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they got that from us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we don't even do it no more. Not in a way that we could move, but we passed that. So I got multiple metaverses that we just gonna drop, you know. It's just ideas, bro. You know what I'm saying? This is I'm I'm talking to you through a phone that's a computer that runs let me give you perspective let me give you perspective the processor on the microphone in this iphone 13 pro max that i'm that you guys are watching me on the processor for the microphone has more internal memory than the pc that i had that I got that my father bought my first. Like it has more than the PC that I bought in 94. 
I probably has more than the PC that I had in 2000. Processor for the microphone. Mm. Has more power. And more right. internal memory. These new iPhones do got clean audio and cameras, bro. Yo, I remember when the... um, Yo, bro, like... I had a homie from the Bronx. I just... I just... I, 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 I have a storied past, but I love it. So I had a homie from the Bronx that was a scammer. Like, <laughs> I, I think the whole scamming culture. So we talking the early, the mid nineties, bro. 94, 95, 96. And, um, I had a laptop, bro. And, uh, he scammed for a whole pallet of Pentium two processors from Intel. And then not only did he give me one so we could put it on my motherboard and my laptop so we could game, like we ran around Atlanta selling Pentium 2. And let's look up the specifications of Pentium 2. I'm just saying, my whole point is, is that we on devices, you know what I'm saying, that are in our pocket all day. And we can connect to people all over the world. The CPU clock rate on a Pentium 2 was 233 megahertz. Everybody running at least four gigs uh, of CPU clock rate on their phone right now. You know what I'm saying? Minimum. And our computer's minimum are eight gigs. You know what I'm saying? So it's come a long way. You know, our ability to create uh, content. And if you look at it as just content, I think it really changes your your value of what it is that you're doing. And it makes it less, I think people like to use the word hard, but it makes it less tedious, right? So a website is content to me, an NFT is content to me, a, uh, a digital wallet is content to me, a token is content to me. I'm just looking at content creation. Before I even put my YouTube podcast together, I got so much other content to create to get you involved with what I'm doing like these NFT projects we putting together, it's just, it's just all just content. Now, when I'm running around, you know, South beach, when I'm running around Miami, when I'm running down Lauderdale, when I'm running around Atlanta, when I'm running around Vegas, when I'm running around New York, you know, saying, and I'm, you know, at the lounges, at the bars, at the hot spots, and everybody talking like, yo, what you into, what you got going on. I got so much content to serve people. It's crazy. And, so my thing is, is there's no reason to scam because you got all of the tools that you need to make this happen. Like I can mint tokens to X terminal on my iPhone. You know what I'm saying? So there's no reason you lazy if you out here scamming people for bread. Yeah, I completely concur. And in retrospect to that being said, because like my other Facebook, my old one, it got like people are literally on there doing Bitcoin cash app scams right now. And it is killing me because <laughs> I, I, with everything that I have worked in order to, you know, like bring people on board, financial education and everything, I didn't build any of this stuff for nobody to get effed over. You know, I really did not. And I, that's the reason why I'm so comfortable. And I have a, I got a private partner that didn't want me to like be kind of like technically the face of the project, but it got to the point where if you not, nobody's trusting. Yeah. So you got to put your face on it or in 
in in retrospect, I feel like it's better this way because it creates a level of trust. I'm like, where the hell am I going to run? I'd be on camera. I'd be flying in other people's cities and stuff. Out. <laughs> I'm like, where am I going to go? <laughs> I'm, I'm too active in the public to even do something like that. And then that's how I kind of feel about Bored Ape. Bored Ape is too big to rug pull, too big to fail in some cases. They have a $4 billion valuation right now. Like, they've, they've generated so much juice, like, they can't afford to drop the ball right now. Yeah, they did. I mean, if they don't know Elon, they got one of them uh, Teslas to go to Mars. There ain't too many places they can, they can go to. You know what I'm saying? Those dudes are too prominent. They running around Miami having a good time right now. Soon coming for you, brother. Like, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, I appreciate you welcoming welcoming into your to your universe and into your users and stuff like that to discuss my little old project. It ain't nothing little about it, bro. This is this is going to be life changing for our community and for the rest of especially the world because I know an American um, dealt with project because like there you have connection. I have connections outside of the country, and I, I, I feel as if um, some people outside of the United States will find an affinity for the project the same way how I have. And I, I understand you was being modest when you said it, but like with what you have and what you do, nothing you're doing is little, bro. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make it happen, bro. We're gonna push the push the agenda. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the heads up on a couple things going. So um, I'm doing a live tomorrow with the brother Chris because I'm going to mint him. Uh, I'm sorry, not mint him. The tokens are already mint, but I'm going to send him the, uh, the first 50,000 uh, tokens on the Life of a Negro Project. And then I'm also going to send you the same. We're going to do it live on camera from the Solana CLI. You know what I'm saying? We just It's just, it's just proof that we really do what we do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so people can see what it is. That's like, you know, put that. What you just, <laughs> that is awesome. And like, for the most part, like y'all can make sure y'all tune in tomorrow so that you can see how legitimate <laughs> everything is on this side. Because what he just said is like, he's going to really walk everyone through the steps of tokens and the fact that you can't play with this either you know or you don't and like I, that's dope and i appreciate it as well and like i'm always a student especially when it comes to developing i i just now started getting back in encoding because of the last what last in the last 12 months so yeah that's major bro and I for sure appreciate you coming coming on board and sharing everything with everybody. And don't forget, y'all, I believe it was around like the, it was around an hour and 30 minutes when bro had mentioned the t-shirt. So make sure y'all answer that question as well. If you don't mind, can you repeat it? Yeah, so the, the, the question is, was what was the environment that you had to enter into to purchase Bitcoin or trade for Bitcoin prior to the first exchange for Bitcoin in the United States opening? Like, how did you acquire Bitcoin 
prior to the first exchange opening in the United States. And if you tell me the name of that environment, I'm going to drop you a limited edition Life of the Negro t-shirt that will have some of this artwork here on it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we'll get to it. And I'll make you a day one in the Discord. So go join the Ooh. Discord and I'll make you one of the day ones in the Discord. I'll throw that out there too. That's We're not important. hating over here. <laughs> That's important. That's pretty much a whitelist, bro. Uh, and then um, it's so I'm gonna drop them documents. Uh, I'm gonna upload those. Give me about you know 20, 30 minutes to get those uploaded and uh, put them in the link tree and reconfigure that. And then I'll drop you the link tree uh, in the WhatsApp and um, we'll get that done. And also drop me a phantom wallet in the uh, WhatsApp. So I'll have that for in the morning. I got you. And once again, fam, you are greatly appreciated for everything that you have done for me, myself, the Trillium Baby Projects, our future upcoming projects, just you establishing the scene Americana, the life of a Negro, and all of the other things that the people are not know about right now that they will be seeing in the near future. You are truly um, divinely sent. And I'm thankful for you. And I hope that the community will learn to appreciate your value and the aspect in which I have as well. So with that being said, bro, I don't want to hold you no more. And like, got any um, final statements for the people? Not at all, man. It's just been a pleasure working with you and meeting you, brother. And uh, I just wish uh, much success and kudos to you and your fam. We still got children to raise, man. Let's do what we got to do and uh, make the, make these things perfect. And let's not be strangers to these interviews, man. Like I want to drop in often and give people advice, tidbits. And uh, I think I got something else coming too. Uh, I think I'm going to set up either a Patreon or OnlyFans. Uh, so me and you can get in an environment and give some yeah, people some one-on-ones. Yeah, I want to give some people some one-on-ones. So if there, those of you out there who are trying to drop an NFT project or drop a token project and want to understand how to put together, you know, um, an outlay to create your own metaverse or cryptocurrency project and you just need some one-on-one, you know, time with us, you know, uh, I'm going to create either a Patreon or a uh, only fans. I haven't decided which uh, platform for that. And um, I'm going to make, so you don't know about this too. I'm glad you brought that up for the closing statements. I'm also going to make an invite only VIP section outside of the day ones in the um, Discord. And that room will be strictly, you know, crypto knowledge talk. You know what I'm saying? Where you'll be able to come in and ask me questions. Um, and I'll give you all in the game on how to put together systems and, you know, make things work. So you'll get a direct consultation for that as well. But that particular uh, build out will be pay for play. So you, it'll be a one-time charge. It's not a subscription base, but it's a one-time charge to get that role in the Discord. And that room will only be open to those like-minded people. So we're going to build out those systems so that we're accessible and be able to give you uh, real knowledge and help you get your situations together. So. That's about it, bro. Well, that is peace. Anishi, bro, you know, that's our, um, that's Lenape for thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just like, you know, I don't be trying to pester you, but I'll be like, I wake up and hit you before I hit <laughs> Yeah, I don't really sleep. And then when I do go to sleep, like I sleep with the phone in the bed, which is a bad thing. Like I literally sleep with the phone in the bed like laying next to my pillow, you know what I'm saying? Just so when I get the buzz, I always wake up and look like, all right, what's this? 
or whatever. So I got certain people on my focus. So you, you're in that circle on my focus. You know what I'm saying? So I'll catch the three o'clock call from you. It's no, it's no problem, bro. Most definitely. Well, I look forward to our next interview and I'll make sure everyone that you like, subscribe, share, and you also tune in tomorrow for what will be going on as well. It will be on Bonded Credentials Facebook, Brother Christopher Glass Bay. Shout out to him and everything that he does as well. And peace and love. And I might drop another question. I might drop another uh, challenge in there and add a thousand T-Loan tokens to that challenge too. Ooh. We'll be looking for that. So the people who turn, tune in, you got an opportunity to win a thousand of the T-Loan tokens tomorrow. That's, that's love, bro. That's Light nigga, dumb right, nigga, faux yeah. nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga, still nigga, still nigga. My name is still nigga. Still nigga.